A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I was thinking about something. Yeah. So do you think that from 2000 to 2010, that's the best 10 years of Denzel Washington's career? Interesting. Kind of the like Tony Scott, Mm -hmm. trashy auteur. Yep. Because the thing about Denzel, and this is not an original thought, like plenty of people have said this, but he's one of the greatest actors ever for elevating... Yes, I mean, that's true, period. But mm-hmm. also, one of the greatest actors ever for elevating kind of C-plus entertainment mm-hmm. into, like, yeah. a finely crafted thing. And his performance, so, you know, it's just it's the juice that makes that happen. Absolutely. I mean, he yeah. goes from doing, what was he in? Uh, what, 2001, was that um, Training Day? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he does, like, Training Day. Um, he has a series of, like, small sort of action films. They're, they're very successful. Yeah. Let me see what they are here really Man quickly. on Fire. Man on Fire. Out. Yeah. Out Inside of Time, Man. A Carl Franklin movie? Yes. Fucking good. It's really good. Out of Time. And then it's another. he's got this other weird one, um, Deja Vu, with Paula oh, yeah. Patton. Strange movie. Really strange movie. But, again, it's serviceable, and he, again, elevates the material quite a bit. Deja Vu is Tony Scott's weirdest movie. It is. I I appreciate it just from being like, it's taken some swings. Experimental with it, even though it's still about you know Denzel shooting people (laughs) primarily. (laughs) So yeah, he does that. He's Inside Man, American Gangster, and I think that's kind of it. He kind of I think he plateaus there, and then from like the most of the 2011s, it's just action films that don't really do too much. I don't think any of them stick. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, aside from, like we were saying, Fences and... Um, That's right, Fences, yeah. Roman J. Israel kind of being 
the times he stepped out of that. Mm-hmm. And then Mac- Macbeth, we'll Macbeth. see. But I don't know, man. I just love his 90s so much, you know? 90s I mean, Denzel. Malcolm X is like my favorite performance of his by yep. far. Glory. Glory. He's incredible. And fucking... He got game. Uh, don't forget he, he got, got game. game. That's yes. amazing. And... Devil in a blue Devil dress. Devil in a blue dress. Oh, oh my god. You might god. actually Okay, wow. You yeah. might be I okay, so I might have to reframe that. It may not be yeah. that it's his best work, but I think the 2000s, early 2000s is his best run. Yeah, it's like yeah. the peak of his powers. Yeah, exactly. Because in the 90s, he's pure like movie star, yep. just carrying shit on his charisma and giving an incredible performance here and there, like in Malcolm X. But yeah, the 2000s, he's just like, I am making the like, you know, Denzel Washington burger. It's like a perfect, juicy, like gourmet burger every time. <laughs> the Washington? <laughs> the Washington, Washington, you mean? Oh, it tastes delicious. Yeah. It's just one part, you know, bravado, another part, just pure talent and, you know, just charming good looks as you know, the works. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm loving that. And the buns are each a grilled cheese sandwich. (laughs) I just made Phil do a spit take. That was great. Tasty. I'm loving that. My other thought was this. I think that there at some point are just going to be some TV shows that I'm just never going to get around to. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've we've had this discussion about how Mm -hmm. like. Our sense of mortality is being most heavily felt through the the television shows that we won't get to in our lifetime. Yeah, like mine is uh, the Deuce. Phil was like, "Oh uh, my god, you you gotta watch the Deuce." And I'm like, "You know, I think I might actually depart this mortal coil without watching a single episode of the Deuce." I'm gonna tell you right now. I think I might die of hopefully of natural causes you know all shriveled you're just up and really doing you're just doing this be just like, because you know i thought the show was good yep yep mm-hmm. exactly and I'll, I'll have i'll have in my arthritic wrinkled hand the remote and i'll go to hbo max and just as i press the button to play episode one of the deuce my <laughs> eyes go cloudy and i depart <laughs> for the beyond <laughs> or more likely get dragged down to hell <laughs> That's more accurate. I think I'll never get the chance to watch Jane the Virgin and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Those are two shows that came out around the same time, and I feel like they were very, very popular at the same time, peaked around the same time, maybe like the early, what, like 2012, 2013, 2014, and I don't ever think I'm going to get around to it. There's just too much other content coming in at the same time. Yeah, one of the head writers of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Eileen Brosh McKenna, she's on this podcast I really like called script notes Mm -hmm. that definitely does not need our plug. They're fucking huge, but um, it's just an awesome podcast about screenwriting and she's always great on it, but I know I'll never watch that show because it is half musical. Uh, So I'm out. Mm -hmm. out. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, honestly, if it was full on musical, I would at least be like, Hmm. I mean, maybe I'll see what that's like. Just having, magical realism musical numbers in the middle of a modern rom-com i so you I just can't, you're not you're not eating that you're not buying what they're no, selling okay no. all right it's too the the 500 days of summer oh you know, get out of it. oh wow okay pulling that back right yeah that's a yep that's a movie i get that one confused with 50 50 all the time two <laughs> completely different uh stories and completely different subject matters same guy what if 5050 was the uh, the sequel to 500 Days of Summer, though? It's like, JGL's mm-hmm. like, Zoe Deschanel just broke up with me, and now I, I have, have cancer. 
It's like it's the misery. Fate dumping on this guy. You know, he's trying to get back on his feet after this relationship with fucking adorable ass Zoe Deschanel, and then boom, Mm. he gets that cancer diagnosis. Oh, that'd be terrible and so painful. It's a dark duology. It really you know? is. And then to cap it off, he ends up being taken under the wing of a, a successful billionaire. And while, well, you know, he's a police officer and then leads the city um, that goes under siege and towards, you know, restoring itself a greater victory and becomes a right, caped vigilante. Right. right, right. Well, he becomes like a, a cave explorer at the end. He know? does. And be- perhaps, yes. Perhaps a spelunker. A caped vigilante. A, a, yeah, a exactly. professional spelunker. There we go. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. What are we doing? Okay, are we doing this? I think we gotta we yeah. gotta get on it. We man. might as well. Ah. I've been waiting for this for a long time. Such good stuff. So excited. Yeah, man. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Goat Season. So happy to have you with us today. This is a special day for us. This is a podcast about the greatest individual seasons of television of all time, their most memorable episodes, and their creative teams both in front of and behind the camera. I am Phil Mitchell, and along with me is my co-host. He is valid at every cookout. Mr. Alex Sinesi. How you doing, dude? That cookout. I'm doing great, man. All right. I, I'm so excited, too. Yeah, man. I'm so excited because pretty much as long as I have had any sort of critical faculties, as long as I really have been following TV and movies, I have been writing down or at least like in my head cataloging my winners, the awards I would give out. You know, I think anybody who's into movies and TV, this is just like, this is a pastime. You it know, is. the pastime of being angry at the Oscars and <laughs> get to a lesser extent, angry. the Emmys. You, you get know? so enraged. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, no. It's one of the most fun things about that entire award season is just dumping on their choices, you know? Drinking and then getting angry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, before I was even drinking, honestly. <laughs> even as a, a little, like, ill-tempered nine-year-old, I was mad <laughs> that, like, the wrong movie won for best visual effects or something, you know? Third grade? Going back that far? Okay. Oh, dude, absolutely. Wow. Okay, that is dedication. I can't speak to that for myself, but I will say... Late teens, Phil, definitely got into it and experienced some uh, some heat, a little bit of heat under the collar about some of these choices and some of these wins. Sure, sure. And uh, the Emmys, I don't think they enraged me to the same extent just because they never felt quite as major. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I can tell you what always upset me about the Emmys and what I always wanted to change. No, fuck that. You know what? I was always mad yeah, at the you Emmys, were. too. You were. Yeah. I honestly was. And I can pinpoint a few different things that they did that always upset me. One is that any fucking time a movie star deigned to have a guest appearance on a show, <laughs> it was like a shoe-in best supporting actor. Oh, Nomination, if not win. Usually a win, okay. you know? Mm-hmm. They would just stumble oh, all just over so themselves. Oh, you're just so sour to award these movie stars when there was all of this good TV acting going on. It's like totally just shitting on their own medium, the Emmys, you know, to be like, oh, well, but if someone from the movies wants to get involved, of course we're going to hand them all our awards. All right. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is just that for the longest time, they just would not spread around the love. It would just be the same show year after year. I mean, you have the 
fucking dominance of like Frasier when I was coming up that won like eight Emmy Awards, you know? Yeah. It's just, it's always that way. It's like one show will take over and it's like Hugh Laurie was never not nominated for playing Dr. House through the 2000s, through one of the greatest runs of male actor leads in drama ever. Oh and Hugh God. Laurie could not stop grabbing up those nominations. All right, all right. Know? Nope, all right, just, and that's the thing. just shut it down. It's, just shut it down. I, nope. It's It's just you feel the rubber stamp. That's all I'm saying. You feel that rubber stamp of, we know what this is. We know this guy is good. And they're doing the same thing the next year. So we can just nominate it again, oh, you know? Oh, boy. All right. Right? Right? Did you get that out of your system? Feels good. Okay. Feels good, all right. man. Oof. That being said, I now sympathize with the Emmy voters more than <laughs> I ever have in my entire fucking life. Because, good God, is there a ton of shit to watch. There is. So, I mean, all right. We might as well get to it. Today is the first ever Goaties. This yes. is the first ever annual Goaties ceremony. We are so excited to do this this year. Alex and I are picking today our choices for best series, best television series, um, best television performance by an actor, actress, supporting actor, supporting actress, and a few other minor categories as well. And you're right. You know, I was don't call those below the line minor categories, okay, bro. Come all right, on, whatever. Now. Okay, no, 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 no. Cinematography, right. bro. You don't even have a show without cinematography. The, uh, Come on, mm, you'd be. But you can still win an Emmy. Screen. You can still win an Emmy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I was thinking this is probably harder now than it was ten years ago, maybe even five years ago. The amount of content that's out there now, you have to surf through so many shows. That I think, yeah, I can also sympathize with someone who is uh, voting uh, at the Emmys because you've got cable shows, you've got streaming shows, you've got network television that you've got to surf through. And I'll be honest with you, I, I couldn't keep up with all of the television shows that came out this year. Oh, it's overwhelming, dude. It's absolutely overwhelming. And there are so many different types of shows now, too. You really feel this sort of uh, disintegration effect, this stratification where all of these different interests are being catered to and you have way more like not just straight comedy or dramas or sitcoms, but you have these dramedies, mm -hmm. you have things that feel like sitcoms and then they turn into like mythology based drama type shit. Yep. I mean, it's it's crazy. It's so, so overwhelming <laughs> at this point. And yeah, so finally, I do feel a little bit of sympathy for those Emmy voters <laughs> And a little bit of sympathy for that whole idea of like, yeah, we're just going to watch that one really good episode that's the the key to this character's performance because just binging a season of everything is... It's so much work. It's untenable. I mean, there's so many shows that we didn't even... That I wasn't able to, able to get to yeah. that I know are good, that I know are worthy of consideration. I wasn't able to watch For All Mankind, the Ronald D. Moore sci-fi show heard really good things but you know the problem is it's one of those big budget sci-fi things on apple tv plus who just seem like they are handing out budgets like they are candy to anyone with a basic like high concept hook right now
It really had me rooting against them for the longest time because they were just. Well, you're just being contrarian. Get out of here. No, no, they were. It was for the longest time. It felt like Apple was like, well, we're getting into the game late. So let's just take this ridiculous amount of money we have and inject it into a very basic (laughs) premise. You know, it's like they went on cake wars and took like a butter syringe and injected it into a cake. Yeah, but like who isn't doing that now though, man? Yeah, yeah. Like you got to admit That's... HBO's doing that. Amazon has a Lord of the Rings television show coming out. HBO is resurrecting Game of Thrones, um which should be dead and gone, but it's not. So I mean there's other shows that are also pushing out IP with very very large budgets. That's true. That's true. But they all have a foundation of other shows with apple it was like exclusively just these would-be event things like c and foundation and the morning show and Mm. all of these shows suck and they all have 200 million dollar budgets and it's just it rubbed me the wrong how much of the morning show did you watch i watched like two episodes Mm -hmm. i hear it gets really good oh okay did you did you stick i've not watched any of it (laughs) you're like i haven't watched a second i haven't watched a second of it yeah no no way i mean i don't know if i'll it's one of those shows that i don't think i'll be able to get around that's one of the shows i did not get around to um yeah yeah well i'll be real i mean i was pretty diehard against apple tv plus until i got lassoed like a mother oh no and that's the thing that was that little show that could that suddenly was like oh this is the opposite of all those shows this is a low concept show that's so inspired and immediately it like turned me around on them so there you go so we put out some feelers to our uh, listeners and we asked some of you all what you thought about the best television shows of the year, some of the best performances, and we wanted to give some shout-outs to people who responded. So do you want to start, man, or do you want me to go? Uh, You go ahead. All right. So from uh, GM Fern, we had two suggestions. One was nominating Natasia Demetriou from What We Do in the Shadows, who she said was a great actress and gave a great performance for the season, and I would have to agree. Um, And in fact, we'll see what pops up in some of my selections later. And then from, looks like, yeah, Josh Sullivan, he nominated a few series, uh, three actually. One is White Lotus, uh, his second was How To with John Wilson, and his third being Succession. What'd you get? So I put out uh, this question, just a basic Goaties bracket, to a Discord that I'm on, uh, the Movies and More Discord. Shout out to them. I'll leave a link to them in the, the comments, actually, so y'all can check it out. Had, had a few responses. Uh, Melly gave her best supporting actress to Gillian Anderson for The Crown. Mm. She's playing Margaret Thatcher on that right now. I have not caught up with the most recent season of The Crown. So unfortunately, that that wasn't in contention for me. But I mean, come on, you know, yep. uh, Dana Scully, uh, friggin holding it down. All right, just it. All right, move on, Hannibal, move on for you get best. thirsty. Just <laughs> come knows, on. He knows I know where this is going. going. Nowhere good. Nowhere good. All right. So uh, she also had uh, in Best Supporting Actor, Brett Goldstein for Ted Lasso, cool. which is an awesome fucking pick. Yeah. I think we'll be coming up again. Mm-hmm. Roy Kent, of course. Oh, yeah. You got Best Actress. She went with uh, Kate Winslet for Mare of Easttown, mm-hmm. which, you know, totally respectable pick. She got the, the Emmy for it. I get it. Mm-hmm. And uh, she went with Jason Sudeikis for Ted Lasso and also Best Series for Ted Lasso. Really? So, okay. Got a Ted Lasso a lot of fan. love yeah. for that. And uh, I get it. I really do. Yeah. I, As I said, I've been lassoed. Oh, I've God. Been, I've been lasso-pilled so no, hard so over hard. here. Yeah. I'm current on Ted Lasso. I would say that I oh, think yeah. that the 
first season might be better than the second. But keep going with your stronger. Yeah, strong. Keep going with what you got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Van threw out for best supporting actress Kelly McDonald for The Line of Duty, which is a Canadian procedural about sort of emergency police response, kind of like a SWAT team type deal. Okay, cool. And I was like, wait a fucking minute, that that show was off the air in 2014, right? Like, that show came out over 10 years ago, mm-hmm. and I looked it up, and it did. They had a six-year break from their last season, and they just came back what? with a new season this year wow. to finish it. Wow. Super weird. That is very strange. Yeah. When does that ever But I mean, I love, I love Kelly McDonald. Yeah, she's she great. Rules. Yeah. He also had uh, Brett Goldstein <laughs> in Best Supporting Actor for Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm. Best Actress, he had uh, Haley Steinfeld for Dickinson, another show that I have not seen mm-hmm. that I know I need to get to. Haley Steinfeld's just blowing up lately. She is. I mean, she's the lead on that. She's co-lead, if not the lead, on Hawkeye. Uh, Marvel's Hawkeye. Yeah. And then she's also one of the main voices in Arcane, which is this Netflix CGI animated show mm-hmm. that people are really raving really about. hyped about dude. it's interesting yeah, to see her sort of have a resurgence because she was a big deal back in 2010 after being in the cohen yeah. brothers uh true grit yeah mm-hmm. and as i thought she was going to be have a bigger impact and for a longer period of time but she sort of fell off the map and then sort of has sort of come back towards uh stardom so it's cool to see yeah i wonder if it was one of those things where she was like a young actor who was sort of refocusing and figuring out exactly what roles she wanted to take mm-hmm. to have maximum impact, things like that. I feel like there was a point where Saoirse Ronan, yes. as an example, she yeah. like came out of the gate so strong. And then she had five years where she kind of laid low mm-hmm. again. And then she came back and started just yep. killing it, collecting those Oscars. Yep. Like they owed her money, dude. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> well, nominations. She hasn't got yeah, the she win hasn't got yet, the win. but it's inevitable. It's totally inevitable. We'll see. And uh, yeah, he had Best Actor, Jason Sudeikis, and Best Series, Ted Lasso again. Okay, so we got some Lasso fans. Hyped on that Lasso, yeah, man. Mav also gave me his noms. He had as Best Supporting Actress, Ho Yun Jung, for Squid Game. Mm-hmm. That's uh, number 67. She'll be coming up again. Mm-hmm. For Best Supporting Actor, he had Hunter Doohan for Your Honor, which is a show that I wasn't really aware of at all. Brian it's Cranston? A new Brian Cranston. Yeah, show. a Brian yeah. Cranston vehicle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it and Showtime? Playing, I'm not. It probably I think is it's Showtime. Showtime. That's he why plays it's a, so off my radar. And it's, he plays a judge, correct? Yeah, it's basically the plot of that Robert Downey Jr. movie, The Judge. Oh. It's, but in reverse, where it's like Judge's son, I think, kills somebody in a hit and run. And the judge has to like figure out how to navigate that, okay. essentially. Okay. So I believe he's nominating his son okay. for that. He had Best Actress Kate Winslet for Mayor of Easttown. Best Actor, he had Lee Jung-jae from Squid Game, mm-hmm. number 456. Went with Best Series to Mayor of Easttown. Mm, okay. So, yeah, yeah. All right. That was another show. I mean, those HBO Limited series. Oh, they're man, great. They just get so hyped. You feel that critical surge just bubbling as soon as they're announced, as soon as that first commercial drops, you know, that first trailer. You've already got <laughs> all those TV critics lining up. <laughs> what do you think about the fact that HBO is going to produce a Colin Farrell-led Penguin uh, series? What the fuck? The Penguin, yes. As a supplement yep. to mm-hmm. The Batman? Yes, yes, sir. That's so strange. Yeah. Ah, oh, man. I'll have yeah, to see HBO. what the movie is like first before I can 
lay some type of judgment on that. I mean, I would be very surprised if I don't absolutely love the shit out of that movie mm-hmm. because it's the most exciting trailer I've seen in a long yeah, time. Yeah, I know. Both of them are. Oh, it's, anyway. It looks so fucking I good. Know. And I love Matt Reeves. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of sad to see how HBO has so, so jumped on that IP hype wave. <laughs> I remember you, when they yes, were you, Oh, get out of here. You love them. Let's see. As far as other nominations go, just want to shout out real quick. Blue gave me some of her nominations. She just had a couple in the actor categories that she really wanted to send love for. One was for in supporting actor Chase Dillon as Homer on the Underground Railroad, who is giving an incredible, incredible performance. performance. Yeah, I mean, holy shit. It's one of those where you're just like, I don't know how he pulled this off. I don't know how the directors pulled this off. It's, it's amazing. And he's uh, such a disturbing and fascinating character, Oof. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. And then she also had a nomination for Best Actor. This is one of those shows that came back this year that I feel like... <sighs> Everybody really, really was just dying for this to come back, come back and sort of correct the narrative. And, uh, you know, I think as soon as the new episodes came out, everyone was like, oh, no, this was a mistake. This one should have stayed untimely canceled. And uh, there was just so much buyer's remorse for it. But I get why she's still like, well, let me let me take this chance to nominate the best actor again. You know, it's just a chance to like honor the legacy of him from the original run of the show. And that would be Alistair Fernsby Quintrell as Viscount Birdwhistle on Goodfellow's Resurgence. Who is just a fucking powerhouse. And you can, you just watch him being like, oh my God, I stepped back into the manor, but actually I stepped back into Arrested Development season four here. And just watching as the kitchen staff flutters around him, flailing helplessly. And you feel that great performance just slipping out of his grasp. You see the panic in his eyes every moment of it. What was it like for you, you know, maybe... A year later, maybe two years later, to return to that setting, to return to those characters in Goodfellows and relive, just be back in sort of that upstairs, downstairs dynamic to, you know, deal with like the political intrigue from the show, the poison crumpet. I believe it's the painting. Uh, I forget the, the, the color blue, a great episode. Yeah. what What was that like for you? I was just so excited by the trailers, man. And then when the episode started and it was just like, oh, everything is going wrong. That like fictional farting disease that they came up with. Why was that happening? What was the tone of that supposed to be? I don't understand They're trying that. to pretend yeah. it's sad or something. Yeah, it was weird. Where everyone's farting yeah. themselves to death. It was just, it was. It was an odd choice. It didn't seem. It was a mess. Yeah. Literally and figuratively. Yeah. Anyway, so we so appreciate all of you listeners, Absolutely. Discord, Denizens, everybody for coming through and uh, throwing your nominations in there. Yeah, we just really appreciate yeah. it. But yeah, our turn now, motherfuckers. Let's do it. All right. And the nominees are for Best Supporting Actress. Let's do it. Phil, take it away. Man. Here we go. For Best Supporting Actress for the first ever 2021 Goaties, I have Hell yeah. Anna Conkle who plays Anna in Pin 15, 
Jennifer Coolidge as Tanya McCoyd, White Lotus, Paulina Alexis, Willie Jack, and Reservation Dogs. Nice. Jillian Anderson as Jean Milburn in Sex Education, and Jean Smart as Helen in Mayor of Easttown. Wow. Mm -hmm. All right. So we have just a little bit of overlap. Very cool. What do you got? Very cool. All right. So my nominations for Best Supporting Actress are Jennifer Coolidge as Tanya McCoyd in The White Lotus. Molly Shannon as Pat Dubeck in The Other Two. Oh, yes. <laughs> Jean Smart as Helen Fahey in Mare of Easttown. <laughs> Juno Temple as Keeley in Ted Lasso. Mm -hmm. And Jong Ho Yun as number 67 on Squid Game. There we go. There we go. Yeah. So I feel like Paulina Alexis is a straight up revelation in Reservation Dogs. And she's that great. hunting yes. episode, man. Oh, one of the best episodes of TV of the year. I absolutely, and I think just her performance throughout the the run of the series is is amazing. She is on point with her timing. Just all of her lines are on point. The timing, the comedic timing, I think is just there. She's just consistent all the way through, uh, and I love that. And so I, I thought she needs a shout out. She needs some shine for certain. She would probably have been my number six. It's just so tough to narrow it down. I Sure. The thing I loved about her performance and about a lot of the performances on that show was just that they felt so unstudied. It mm -hmm. felt like you were just watching these young people in their lives for so much of it. And then when you get to that hunting episode and it gets really emotional, mm -hmm. it really kind of knocks you back. Absolutely. You're just not expecting it to get that intense. Yeah. Yeah. I nominated Anna Conkle just because I thought that Pin 15 is one of my favorite shows. It made me sad that they have canceled the show. I think it's canceled too soon. Uh, Hulu, don't at me. And the thing is, I, I think it's a great show where two women have captured the essence of being a young teenager, awkward. I mean, every this has already been said about the show, just capturing the pathos of being an awkward teen, how horrible it is, and how how ultimately how sympathetic and pathetic it can be to be a teenager and experience all of these wild emotions um, and deal with parents who really don't know what they're doing and are struggling themselves. And they have managed to capture that in a comedy that is at once incredibly funny with some of the funniest things I have ever seen in a television show and also stuff that has made me uh, almost near tears. Yeah, great show. Love it. So this is where I shamefully admit that i have not yet started pen 15 it's in okay spite of your many recommendations and so i feel like i am personally part of the group responsible for its cancellation <laughs> i feel attacked oh, i feel like such a shit heel right now <laughs> right. Man. you're good dude. uh yeah but uh i really want to get to that one you were a big fan of the other two yes did we have any more where we diverged did you have one um other? let me see i picked jillian anderson Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. You want to speak on her a little bit? No, I mean, she's great. Uh, again, it's it's every um, scene that she's in, she's just popping. Um, I think that she is um, giving a tour de force performance. I've not seen her in The Crown, so I can't really speak to her performance there. I heard that she was very, very good. But I think she's just as good in uh, sex education as a mom who doesn't really have quite the boundaries that she needs to have. And at the same time, wanting to do the right thing by her son and the community that she lives in. So, yeah, my, I think her performance is solid. Yeah. Pretty impressive that she could manage to give a great 
comedic performance mm-hmm. and at the same time one that is so weighty and dramatic yep. as Margaret Thatcher on the yep. ground. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, incredible range. And yes. she just has such a forceful intensity that she brings to everything that's so good. So yeah, for my part, I nominated Molly Shannon for the other two. Have you have you checked that show out yet? I've only seen one or two episodes of it so far. Okay. Yeah, it's it's so funny. Great, mm-hmm. you'll just burn right through it in a weekend. But she plays the mother of the main two characters. Yes, she's just incredible. I mean, <laughs> the second season especially is a tour de force because she ends up getting this extremely nice core morning talk show where <laughs> <laughs> she's just playing this sweet suburban mom who Uh now is suddenly super famous and so every other soccer mom on the planet immediately thinks oh you relate to me directly we should be friends (laughs) and so (laughs) she has just these fans now constantly coming up and wanting to give her casseroles and spend all their time with her and quickly (laughs) her daughter Brooke Dubeck who's played by the wonderful Helena York who's so awesome in that season too she is her manager and she basically over schedules her where she's giving her She's got to do game shows and musical numbers and all sorts of extra shit. And it's just this incredible showcase for Molly Shannon. Nice. And yeah, by the end of the season, she's taking micro naps. (laughs) Involuntary micro naps because she's so exhausted (laughs) and so out of it and doesn't even know where she is. And it's fucking hilarious. Oh, boy. That's awesome. I also uh, nominated Juno Temple for Ted Mm -hmm. Lasso. She's great. Who is just amazing. She absolutely nails so much of the comedy on that show. Mm -hmm. She's just given so much of the, Mm -hmm. so much pressure to execute all of these jokes to really be like the levity in any particular scene. And she always Mm -hmm. nails it. And I thought of her as being this very intense indie actress absolutely Mm -hmm. before that mostly knew her for killer joe right which is the absolute opposite of ted lasso yeah don't want to talk about a dark role right there yeah you could put those two on opposite (laughs) poles just of content within a fictional filmed narrative i mean it's insane and she's so wonderful on that show and i love just her relationship with roy kent across the second season i think Mm -hmm. It's such a tricky thing to pull off on a TV show, having two people have a nice, stable relationship and dramatize that. And I think they do beautiful work. Uh, She especially, toward the end of the season, I thought was just incredible. It's fun, too, to see two characters who are so immature having a mature relationship (laughs) and how how that works itself out. It's very funny. And uh, the last one I had was just Zhang Hoyan for Squid Game, number 67. She had actually never acted before. She was primarily a model. And Mm. uh, what a debut. She is so steely, intense. She, She has this absolutely, like, vicious stare. And yet, there's such a vulnerability to her. And I, I don't feel at all i have no worries at all about spoiling squid game like if you haven't gotten to squid game yet (laughs) i think you were orbiting the planet on a satellite platform Mm -hmm. if if you didn't watch this fucking show literally everyone has seen it but anyway so yeah when she dies it really hit hard for me which i thought was 
so striking for such a flinty, tough character to really engage my sympathy toward the end there. And uh, I don't know, I'm also just a sucker for beautiful sociopaths. So, you know, there's that. Oh boy, Murray, the <laughs> thirst is, is coming out. Let's yeah, pack yeah. it up. Let's pack it All up. All right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, we should talk about, uh, we had two shared nominations between us. We did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we both nominated Gene Smart for Mayor of Easttown. Yeah. And we both nominated Jennifer Coolidge. Right. So Gene Smart, here's here's kind of my feeling about this nomination. I think she's incredible in this. I especially wanted to highlight it because I was so impressed to see her play just sort of a person you might meet in your everyday life. This mm-hmm. kind of tough mom who has her barbs, who can still has her fastball as far as a joke goes. She still has a bit of that Gene Smart she's got some crackle zip. to her, but she also just seems so real she's not this intense put together kind of a character where she has her badass pantsuits and she's she could be on a campaign trail the way she is on hacks or on Mm -hmm. watchmen she's much more sad and kind of beaten down by life Mm -hmm. and uh, i thought she was just amazing and i also wanted to give her this nomination in part because a little residual guilt on my part because uh she is so acclaimed for hacks she's already won an emmy for it she's probably going to win another this coming year but i really did not respond to that show i gotta be honest i I haven't seen it yet was not a fan and i can tell you why super easy i think that show has a big big case of studio 60 itis which is to say that it is a dramatic show about (sighs) comedians that cannot write a joke oh gosh that's the thing is like it's a show about comedy where there are no good jokes and that's such a deadly combination for me because the thing about most tv shows is most dramas really are about people who may be flawed who may be morally dubious who may even be sociopathic or evil but they are always good at their jobs And that's something that a procedural can do really easily. It's really easy to just write, oh, and they catch the criminal at the end of this thing or whatever. Or they uh, stick their hands into this person's viscera and tie their arteries back together and miraculously they come to at the end of this medical drama. You know what what I'm saying. Okay, just, all right, what, just no. But the thing is, when it's comedians and they get to their jokes in the climax of the show... And the jokes aren't funny. Yeah, yeah. Who am I rooting for? This person is actually sucks. good. Yeah, yeah. And the show wants us to think they are. Yeah, I have that problem a lot of times with TV shows or movies about musical performances. It's like, oh yeah, you know, we've got to make music uh, that's moving, you know, impactful and lively. And then when you hear the music, it sucks. You're just like, I can't root for you anymore and i see why no one liked you to begin with right but then when the crowd starts cheering for them yeah you're, you're just, just like, like are they idiots too i guess they are we're in an alternate reality now mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> where everyone likes music that sounds like shit apparently yeah that's why a totally like basic bitch choice on my part but that's part of the reason i love a star is born so much is because the music actually works in it. <laughs> you just like that movie because Bill of Lady just Gaga. Rolled, rolled his rolled eyes, my at eyes. Me so hard. But the music is electrifying. Oh, the musical yeah. numbers are so mm-hmm. good, and it really does set it apart. I just like saw that. the back of my head. All right. I know, right? But anyway, so um, I, I didn't mean to take up all the oxygen there. Any any thoughts on Gene Smart? No, you said everything. You got it. 
You hit all the points. All right. I'm sorry. Well, why don't you take it away on Jennifer Goulds? No, I mean, like, what is there to, what can't you say about that performance? It is zany. It's wild. It's all over the place, but it's so focused in its intensity. This woman who is mourning her mother and brings her mother's ashes on her vacation and is telling everyone about it. This woman has no boundaries. She's telling the people that are supposed to be like wait staff, people that she goes to receive like massage services from, guys that she goes on dates with. She ruins a couple's honeymoon. Oh like, my god! She the is like the, the most cringeworthy, terrible. No, 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 no. no. She is dressed funeral. up for a a funeral <laughs> while they're on a date. It is so <laughs> painful, and it's done so well. I don't think that there's anything else that I need to say, except that if you haven't watched Jennifer Coolidge in The White Lotus, listen to the rest of this podcast and then go watch her in it because it is amazing. It's a tour de force performance. I did not think that she had this level of range. um, And so I was just like surprised to see this and very, very happy. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty cool. So the, the writer and creator of that show, Mike White, actually is a good friend of hers. And he specifically crafted the role to her. But uh, yeah, it's unbelievable what she pulls off in it. I was so struck by how much you can tell that she empathizes with this character underneath it all. She can make her so funny, and yet at the same time, she's so, so raw and human. And you you feel bad that she's going through this intense grief, even as you're laughing. That's one thing I think she really stood out from the rest of the cast in that way, just because I felt like sometimes that show was digging into characters without having a lot of empathy for them. But with her, I thought the balance was like perfect, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So who's your winner? Oh, pff, who's the winner? Man. <laughs> oh, you weren't prepared for this? No. Bro. No. I just want to give my nominations and dip. You were going to leave me to choose a winner so that everyone would be shitting on me oh, yeah. first. Mm-hmm. I see how it is. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Wow. <laughs> yep. A too brute. If I honestly had to go with, I, I would say uh, Jennifer, it goes to Jennifer Coolidge. Yeah, Jennifer Coolidge is my winner too. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, slam dunk. Do we want to do supporting actor? Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So best supporting actor. These are my picks so far. I think that we might have a lot of overlap here. Possibly. I think we'll so. See. We'll see. We'll see. So I have Matthew McFadden as Tom Wamsgans in Succession. Kieran Culkin as Roman Roy in succession. Glenn Turman 
as Dr. Senator in season four of Fargo. Wonderful. Yes. Ooh, I love Glenn Turman. I've not he's seen great. the new season of Fargo yet, though. Uh, it's okay, but he's amazing. Yeah. Nick Muhammad as Nate Shelley in mm-hmm. Ted Lasso and Park Hae-soo as player 218 in Squid Game. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. His yeah. performance. Oh, it's wonderful. It's yeah. so complicated. Yeah, it is. What do you pick? Wonderful. Okay. So I had Brett Goldstein for Ted Lasso. I mean, mm-hmm. it's fucking Roy Kent, man. It's fucking Roy Kent. How can you <laughs> leave him off your fucking nominations, you fucking clown? What's wrong with you? No, he's he's the best. He's so mm-hmm. he's so good on that show. And what especially impresses me is like Ted Lasso is kind of Oh no, just list him. Oh no, 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 no. Just list him, oh, dude. Right, just right, list right. him. We'll get into it. We'll get yeah. into it. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So, I also have Robert Longstreet as Joe Colley on Midnight Mass. I have Murray Bartlett as Armand in mm-hmm. The White Lotus. Mm-hmm. I have Matthew McFadden as Tom Wemsgans on Succession. And I have Oh Young Soo as player number one on Squid Game. Oh, okay. I like yeah. that. I like yeah. that. So we have less overlap than I thought. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Okay. Well, dude, I mean, so many. Honestly, supporting actor was a bloodbath category. For yeah, me. It supporting is. actor hard. was an absolute clusterfuck. There's so many just near misses in this category. So many people who I did not want to leave off. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, Nick Muhammad, incredible. Uh, yeah. We'll talk about him in a second. But I also just want to shout out Zon McLarnon for oh uh, yeah for Reservation, Reservation Dogs. Dogs as Officer Big. Mm-hmm. He is he's great. So fucking funny on that show yeah, so funny <laughs> just oh. the combination of confidence and incompetence it's amazing so good yes. at all times oh man i also uh i mean yeah we'll talk about kieran but um also i uh, just wanted to shout out damon harriman on the underground railroad mm-hmm. he is an actor who i've really really loved for a long time he was so good in the early episodes of Justified. And he's definitely had a solid character actor career just playing creeps, meth heads, weirdos. But that episode, man, I think he's one of the characters on that show who really kind of brought across the the horror of it from an outsider's perspective really well. So yeah, so just a quick shout for him. Anyway. Nah, so I guess I'll go through, I mean, Kieran Culkin, I think, really shown this season, season three of Succession. Um, I think this season focused quite a bit on the character of Roman and gave him a little bit more range. I'm a big fan of actors displaying range. And I think for the first two seasons, Kieran Culkin as uh, Roman was a comical character. And I think this was the season where he got to be taken a little bit more seriously and it worked. I think it worked. I think he did a good job with the material that was given to him. He's at once playing a young man who wants to both impress his father and he wants to do it differently than Kendall. He wants to impress his father and have Logan's acceptance as a way to succeed to the throne of Waystar, whereas Kendall really does just want to like kill his dad and, and take control. Um, and I think that it's great. I think he pairs well with um, Jerry, and I, I, I love their dynamic uh, between love Roman and Jerry. It's so perverted, the uh, but it's great. puppy dynamic. It's yep. so gross, but it's great. Uh, so Kieran Culkin, love him. Yeah, I, I would just I would disagree with you just a little bit. I would yeah. say I've really 
been a huge fan of his performance the whole way through the series. My hot take on Succession is I think he has the hardest job on that show, and he might just be giving the best performance. Hmm. He is doing such unbelievable work because he has to be so funny he has to kill all of these incredible laugh lines while at the same time he displays so much unresolved trauma bubbling under the surface with him you just know that every horrible childhood thing is like branded into his brain and has fucked him up permanently and uh i i think he does amazing work i do think this season's definitely his strongest though and he was such a tough miss for me dude it was honestly just that i wanted to try and just do one nominee per show and so yeah i broke that rule so I also nominated Glenn Turman for Fargo because I oh, yeah. thought, number one, Glenn Turman is awesome. Yes. Uh, and then number two, the character of Dr. Senator is a wonderful character. He's probably the senator. I think he's, I was about to say, he's the senator. No, he's the character that stands out the most and stayed with me the most from this season of Fargo. I, I wouldn't say it was the best season, but I think this season had the most interesting, it had the most interesting potential. I mean, this was a season that had... Ben Wishaw, Timothy Oliphant, Glenn Turman, and Chris Rock, and Jason Schwartzman, and Jesse Buckley. So it was oh, incredible. Like, you've got some heavy Buck, hitters man, there. Yeah. Buckley. Oh, dude. yeah. Shut up. Just shut up. She yeah. fucking no. rules, right. man. So, like, oh, it has Rose, bro. A, a wonderful, wonderful cast. But I think his character stood out the most to me because he's this quiet, confident wise sort of almost like gandalf-esque character in fargo as a member of like the black mafia oh um, not a member of the astari oh no 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 no, no, no. <laughs> like, what close, is he, one of those blue wizards who we never hear about <laughs> he's a wonderful character that i think has a lot uh, a lot to work with uh, for Terman, and yeah that that character stuck with me quite a bit sick oh real quick i know i know we both think that fargo season two is the goat but yeah. uh I haven't seen three or four. Rank the seasons real quick for me. Oh, uh, two, one, three, four. Word. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nick Muhammad, Nate Shelley, Ted Lasso. Again, I'm a big sucker for range. And I think this care, like, I think Nick Muhammad does some good work. One, because it's a great transformation. It's this character, Nate Shelley, going from, he's like, He's the bottom of the top, right? It's really what that is. He starts off at the bottom of the top in season two and is slowly like curdled into becoming this villain that you really just hate and you dislike. And I'm it's like, a man, super villain origin. It story really is exactly what it's it is. So good, and he does such good work there. I have never seen this guy before in anything, and I think he does a great job in transitioning this character who is pitiful and sympathetic in season one, and then just completely malicious and malignant in season two. And that's why I nominated him for best supporting actor. It's like he fell into a radioactive vat of niceness and it turned him all mean yep. <laughs> is what mm-hmm. happened. And then, what was it? Yeah, Park Hae-soo as 218 uh, in Squid oh, yeah. Game. But I think I like him almost for the exact same reasons. It's, it's a character that has some range, someone that all of these characters are desperate, but this is a character who is driven and motivated so much by shame this is a character who was supposed to be the top of his class supposed to be wealthy supposed to be successful in a stereotypical traditional sense and just 
never, never made it, never got to that place in society that he thought where he belonged and is so desperate to achieve that for himself or for his family that it just, again, it transforms him into being something ugly and something... Yeah, the societal pressure. Societal is so pressure just really for just sure. like makes him for crumble sure. and turn him yeah. into something else. He's such a good example too of a hateable character who you still sympathize with. And yeah, I you love do. the resolution for him. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, and so those are my and obviously, I mean Matthew McFadden, we both agreed on him, but yeah, what were your Oh yeah, your so picks? um just continuing on with Squid Game real quick. Oh Young Soo just gives one of those absolute firecracker supporting performances where in a single shot he can become the highlight of an episode. I'm thinking of when they uh, have the game of tug of war and oh, yeah. you're watching everyone pull and you just see him straining but also grinning like a maniac and he is having so much fun in the middle of this life or death situation where everyone else is horrified and you are like what is going on with this guy it all makes sense though by the end oh yeah yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. and to have him have that episode with the marbles where his mind just seems to be going and you watch this heartbreaking portrayal of dementia that ends so tragically and then to have him come back and be revealed as this villain at the end but this sort of enigmatic and pathetic villain it's it's an incredible performance i just loved every facet of it for sure i also had uh you didn't have murray bartlett right for the no i did not no yeah so I would just, I mean, that's a comedic tour de force. He's an absolute Tasmanian devil in that show. He's a Tasmanian (laughs) devil on cocaine. Yeah, it's such a fun performance. And I so enjoyed every second of his downfall. And I appreciated it as a great example of a comedic, tragic downfall. You were also a big fan of his uh, CGI turds, too, so... Yeah. Well, yeah, 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 exactly. He had some really nice, realistic CGI Firefly season ones pop out of his butt, which is what Blue refers to human feces as because she hates Firefly so much. You would not believe the salt she has for that show. I'm like, it's a totally good show. What are you talking about? And she's like, it's the literal manifestation of a human waste. Anyway, so, um, yeah, yeah, that was great. And then, uh, let's see, uh, of course, Brett Goldstein, who Mm -hmm. I feel like everything I said about Juno Temple kind of applies to him, too, in that he just absolutely nails all of these comedic beats. But, um, I mean, the moment where he comes up and hugs Jamie Tart after his father gets in a fight with his dad, that brought me to tears, man. That was incredible. And I thought he just nailed the small dramatic moments, which is so impressive because he's one of those sitcom characters who kind of is always in one mode and he does that perfectly, but he also can like add a little depth to it. He's really the Ron Swanson of that show. Yeah. You can just give a single icy stare and, and a it little does bit it. of a growl, and that does it. Yeah, yep. yeah. And then uh, the last one I had was uh, Robert Longstreet for Midnight Mass uh, as Joe Colley. I think the scene where he is confronted by that little girl who he paralyzed and she just goes off on him and he doesn't say a word. It's literally just you listening to him gasp and choke and start to break down. I mean, that might be the scene of the year for me. That scene I thought was just unbelievably powerful. 
he just he really stuck with me you know he's a a company player for mike flanagan and he's been doing great work on all the shows but this one i really thought he took it to the next level so the only person that we overlapped on was uh, McFadden, and yeah. I mean, I don't even feel like we need to say anything. Like, if what, what there's nothing, yeah, there's the nothing for me flip. literally to the say. Desk flip. That's all you need to say, man. Yeah, the desk flip, and then also, uh, we don't have souls, uh, no souls, bros. So yeah, I, I'm uh, loving that moment, all of that. That's the sweetest that is the sweetest moment in the, moment in the show. show. Yes. Ugh. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a really beautiful, tender scene where you realize how much these guys love each other, and uh, he's unbelievable yeah. yeah so all right who did you pick for best supporting oh matthew mcfad yeah. i did too. <laughs> like, yeah i did too for sure yeah it's, it was hard not it's to. undeniable yeah he's absolutely amazing and he wins the season yeah he does it's he great does i mean the turn at the end of this season too that all pretty much lands on him for those final moments sure and does the way that he recalibrates his performance is absolutely incredible it's chilling honestly so all right i think we should switch to cameo or guest appearance and then uh, finish it up with best actor and actress and then uh best show how about that all right yeah yeah you take that one away man yeah so for notable cameo or guest appearance i have two i only have two for this and there's the they're the winners so i really liked cree summer and what we do in the shadows the episode the wellness center as the character jan who is essentially running a soul cycle health and wellness sort of cult for vampires who no longer want to be vampires but would prefer to be humans instead so they're learning how to be humans uh, and she tries to get nandor to join them every evening they're ripping out their fangs because they believe that is a healthy repudiation of their vampire nature they're doing yoga they're having dance parties She's banging Nandor. It's a hilarious <laughs> character. She is all about the grift, and she sends a group of vampires to their doom at the end of the episode. And it is amazing. Yeah, so shout out to Cree uh, Summer. Wanted to put some shine on that. Wanted to give her some love. Hell yeah. And then uh, the other notable cameo, I don't even really know what this character's name is, but it's Sam Richardson, who is uh, clearly of Veep fame as uh, Richard Splett and his turn in the Little Buff Boys pageant and I Think You Should Leave by Tim Robinson, with Tim Robinson. <laughs> yes. Amazing. Yes. Amazing. Yes, This is the best character, uh, just the best character. This guy who is so emphatic and so intense and so into this disgusting pageant, this creepy pageant with these little muscled six-year-olds. He's he's just given over to the pageant and uh, is doing his thing. And I I love Sam Richardson and love seeing him in uh, anything. So, yeah, shout out to him. Fucking hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, you know what we should we forgot about best cinematography. I think we agree on this, but do you oh, want to? No, I'm sure we do. We do. I, I only had one nomination for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's very clear. For me, the, the best cinematography of the year in a television show is The Underground Railroad for me. It's unbelievable work. I think <sighs> it's better than any cinematography in a movie. This absolutely. Year. That show looks absolutely extraordinary. Literally every shot is so good. I honestly, I. People have made the complaint, I think, that it's problematically beautiful. I think some people look at the subject matter and they're like, this is so beautifully shot that it's turning it into 
some kind of a glamorizing it or somehow turning it into, you know, some sort of an art piece or something like that. But I, I really don't agree. I really would push back at that. I think, I, I think you can't complain about a show just looking incredible right. every single second. And I think that having it shot so well actually makes you have to watch it a little bit more actively as far as like taking account of what's happening on screen. It's mm-hmm. not like the show spoon feeds to you oh, this is an ugly moment, so it's going to look ugly visually. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I get I get how, I mean, that it's a hard-to-watch show. So it I is. I understand how it has turned some people off. Yeah, and I mean, I think you and I were talking about how it is, uh, there's a certain faction uh, of viewers who are, and I would count myself among them, who are fairly tired of, like, black suffering on screen because it's been something that has been done before. After a while, you just want to see human beings who happen to be African-American, Black American, doing wonderful, doing terrible, doing embarrassing, doing funny things, which is why I so enjoy Atlanta um, and Insecure so much. But yeah, this show is beautifully shot. I remember just watching the opening sequence and just being amazed at just like the visuals from that opening sequence. It's amazing. And I think there's an interesting juxtaposition uh, between the horrifying content that they're showing to you and the richness and and the beauty that they're still able to bring on screen. And I got to give like Barry Jenkins and, and co a, a huge shout out for being able to just yeah. accomplish that. It's a huge feat. James Laxton, his, his DP as well, who has shot all of his movies and uh, shot this. And yeah, I think Barry Jenkins is very involved yeah. too in the construction of the shots themselves, but uh, the work that they're doing together is just spectacular in this. Um, yeah, I, I mean, honestly, that's the thing in the below the line categories. Underground Railroad really would mm-hmm. dominate. I mean, sound design on that sound show. Is, yep. Unbelievable, too. The music by Nicholas Brittell, who's Jenkins' composer and who also composed the theme music and all the score to Succession. So he's having a pretty good fucking year. Yeah, he's having a great year. That guy's crushing it. And I also think uh, Succession, the finale of Succession is amazing looking they really upped their game with the cinematography on that last episode and i i was just blown away with how beautiful the show looked there patrick capone was the dp on the last episode of succession season cool. uh, season three episode nine all the bells say and uh yeah he's been with the show since the start but i thought he just did an amazing job cool all right so best actress so i had kate winslet for Mayor of East Town, Natasia uh, Demetriou as Nadia in What We Do in the Shadows, Maya Erskine as Maya in Pin 15. Um, we are huge fans of the Snook, Sarah Snook as Shiv Roy in Succession, the Snook, the Snook and Tuso Mbedu as Cora Randall in Underground Railroad. Yeah. Nice. How about you? So I had Tuso Mbedu in the Underground Railroad. Cora. I had Margaret Qualley as Alex in Maid. Kate Winslet as Mayor Sheehan in Mayor of Easttown. Sarah Snook mm, snooking yes. it up. <laughs> had to get the Snook in there as Chivroy in succession. And Hannah Waddingham as oh, Rebecca boy. Welton Oof. in Ted. Oh Lassie. boy. I'm going to have to keep it quiet over here. Oh boy. 
<laughs> Phil's gonna have to keep it reined oh, in for once. Oh no! I'm gonna keep <laughs> it quiet over I here. I just activated his inner slime puppy here. <laughs> keep it together, Phil. All yeah. right. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Where do we? Do? Okay. Yes. Yeah, so I I nominated Maya Erskine uh, for the exact same reasons that I nominated Anna Conkle. I honestly, I just wanted to get both of them. I just wanted to put some shine on both of these talented women who are oh, making yeah. comedy um, and leading comedy. Um, and and again, they they're bringing the pathos, all of the embarrassment, all of the insecurities that go along with being a young person onto the screen, and they're doing it in such great fashion. R.I.P. to Pen Fifteen, and much love to Maya Erskine. There we go. Pen Fifteen, may you rise again. Oh yeah. Undoubtedly. Undoubtedly, yeah. Mm -hmm. I see what you did there. And and again, I want to give the same sort of love to uh, Natasha Dimitriou. I think she's wonderful as Nadia. I think it's a great performance. She is always on 3000 with that character. That character has no chill. She is a female vampire who is attempting this season to sort of coalesce and sort of like centralize her control over uh, the vampire coven, the vampire empire. The um, coven? It, the coven, yes. American movie over here. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, and she, she's doing the best that she can with these guys that she's in this house with, and they all sort of suck in different ways. Like Colin Robinson, uh, yeah, it's pretty clear what he's got going on, which is about nothing. Nandor, who is filled with all types of insecurities and is very, you know, he's a little tender on the inside. And then there's her husband, Laszlo, who just cannot stop talking about sex and sexual material. And he just, he is just a one-minded type of dude. He's only got a single thing on his mind. And you know what? She's all about business. I feel seen. Yeah, you do. It's Mm -hmm. good to have representation. Oh, yes, I'm sure it is. Folks like you. Mm -hmm. But she's just bringing the heat. She's all about the business, uh, Nadia. And so I love uh, Natasha uh, Demetriou in this uh, show. Yeah. All right. All right. So you've shamed me enough. I got to admit it. Man, What We Do in the Shadows is one of my favorite comedy films of the last decade. I love it so much. So good. And for me, it was kind of a better call Saul situation where I was like, I am so satisfied with the original that I just, I don't want to commit to investing in the follow-up, even though everyone says it's amazing. It so is. I know I need to get to this series. I really do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who do you, who do you have? So as far as non-overlap, let's see, I had Margaret Qualley for Maid, mm-hmm. which, um, I was so surprised by this show, is how I'll put it. It's a show that deals with domestic violence. That's kind of the main theme of it. And you would sort of expect it to be this thing that happens a lot where an actor who's very glamorous suddenly decides to go indie grit in a really like harrowing story that's just really tough and uh i don't know it just it seems like it's become such a awards playbook kind of move that Mm -hmm. there's a bit of cynicism involved with it but made is a really impressive show in that it doesn't play like a depressing indie drama it plays like a thriller it plays with this constant 
pressure, this constant drama. There's so much that this character is struggling against at every moment, and she's actually making active choices. Hmm. That's, I think, the really cool thing about her performance is it's so energetic and she just has these wide-eyed stares and these little twitches and uh she's great man i i was really really impressed with her work on it it's funny because she's kind of this actor who i had mixed feelings about for a long time in part just because of her association with the uh (laughs) the live action adaptation of death note that came out on netflix which is one of those American live-action adaptations of an anime that just makes me want to rip off my own skin and turn into a screaming anatomy model. Um, I could not stand that fucking thing. Although I, I would say she was probably the best part of it. Then there's also... She was in this perfume commercial that was directed by Spike Jones. that was a kind of weapon of choice thing where she's dancing like a maniac inside of this museum that's filled with like stuffy people who are all scandalized by her. And I remember just finding it so cringy. I remember watching it and just being like, oh, she's a a strong actor in certain things, but she might not have any self-awareness at all. It's just, I don't know. So, like, I had mixed feelings about her, but then this show just so impressed me. I think she's a for real talent. And then the other one I had that uh, we didn't share was Hannah Waddingham, who won. Oof. She won Best Supporting Actor. Yes, at she the did. Last year. I think this season especially has shown, though, that she is a lead, a co-lead. I think her story is arguably just as important as Ted's really to the overall like thrust of the series. Mm-hmm. And uh I mean man big thrust. Uh... <laughs> Calm down over there. <laughs> you can't have me being the one holding back your thirst. This is I don't even like this role reversal here. But yes, yeah, she is very beautiful, insanely talented, an unbelievable singer. The show just weaponizes every skill that she has to such a great degree. Another potential scene of the year for me is her scene at the funeral in episode nine of season two, which I was so struck by because we've seen her sing on the show and she has this incredible voice and to hear her instead be so halting, have such a vulnerable kind of off key voice. That's just drenched in emotion was such a strong choice. And the fact that she's singing Rick Astley's Astley's. never going to give you up is just amazing. I mean, so we just talk about the fact that this woman has so much range. The fact that she was on game of Thrones and I forget the character that she played, but she's the, she was like the shame, the shame priestess. Thank you. Yes. Totally thankless role. A dour menacing creepy character who towered over Cersei in again emotionally abusive physically abusive and then pivoted to this character who is at once tender dealing with insecurities but then also a strong a competent woman and again she has a great voice uh, I'm gonna stop myself right now okay <laughs> you gotta stop her. I'm gonna stop I gotcha, I gotcha. Mm-hmm. yeah it's so cool how She was kind of the villain of season one, even though you could pretty much tell that that wasn't going to last. But even even so, even so, she has pivoted and become an even richer character in season two. I love her friendship with Juno Temple. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, she's she's wonderful. man. Mm -hmm. She absolutely kills it. Oh, she also has a great romance with uh, with Sam. She does. Who's played by Tohib Jamo, who I think is super charming on that show. He is. And deserves a, a shout. 
And uh, yeah, so let's get into our shared nominees, right? Yeah, so just really quickly, Kate Winslet yeah. as Mayor Sheehan and uh, Mayor of Easttown. Again, it's another performance that I feel doesn't need to have a ton said about it. I mean, she's bringing you all of Western Pennsylvania in this single performance, all of the the dirt, the grime, um, the sadness, the, the leftover bottles of beer. All of those, all of it, half-empty bottles of Rolling Rock. Absolutely, she is bringing all of that with some determination and so much guilt and, and just pain in this performance. As this woman who is haunted by the death of her son and is just sort of like focusing solely on solving crime as a way to try and neutralize that pain, she's going about it in the wrong way. But I think the character, what Winslet's doing with the material, is beautiful stuff. And I've got to hand it to her. It's wonderful. Yeah, I mean, she is that show. Yep. In the end, her performance absolutely is the reason that that show uh, works as often as it does. The one thing I'll say, Kate Winslet, in my experience, is pretty bad at any accent. And I would say that this show is no exception. Her Delco, Pennsylvania accent is weird but the thing about it is literally every other character on this show is an actor who is also putting that accent on and everyone's accent is a little weird and a little dodgy and so it kind of it works helps yeah just allow you to ignore that and focus on i mean guy pierce's accent in that is just like it's so weird it just like i can't tell what he's doing there evan peter's accent is practiced and it's not bad but it's like you can just tell that everyone is an actor Mm -hmm. who's not actually from this region i was kind of disappointed that the show didn't cast more locals or maybe even non-actors in supporting roles because everyone just felt a little too studied Mm -hmm. for me and that kind of gets to my general issue with Mayor of Easttown, which has a lot to recommend it, but at the same time, I felt like the show sort of Trojan horsed a kitchen sink drama in through a crime whodunit, and I didn't think it did either particularly well. Mm-hmm. But all that being said, I mean, her performance is just undeniable. Yeah, it's totally undeniable. She's amazing on it. Agreed. Yeah. What else did we agree Let's on? Let's see. Uh, we both had Tuso and Beidou. Yeah. What do you think about her? I mean, that's one of those performances where it, just watching it, I'm like, this must have been so difficult and exhausting every day. The amount of emotion that she has to pour out, the amount of trauma that just reads on her face in every minute of this 10-hour show. I really, I just have to give it to her for the incredible achievement of just acting through this. My thing about the Underground Railroad is I would say that the performances in general are not my favorite thing about that show. I think the show kind of works best when it's experiential and really more just a visual and sonic experience. And some of the dialogue scenes I thought felt a little bloated, a little like the pace of it just sagged and I wanted it to just get back to the purely visual and intense visceral moments but i mean she's the anchor for the whole show and uh as great as it is overall it's like you have to put a lot of that on her shoulders yeah you know yeah what do you think um i think she's fantastic um yeah I, I, I really just everything that i would say is just echoing points that you made it's a wonderful just just soul-wrenching performance like all the way through um and so yeah i've got nothing to add to that except yeah in addition to anything that you've said yeah and i don't i don't even mean that so much as a criticism of the show what i was saying i just feel like 
It's just not a very performance-driven show, no. I would say. No. I feel like that's not his aim and that's not his strategy going into it so much. But she does stand out, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, we both had uh, Sarah Snook. Yeah, I mean, do we need to say anything about her? All I'll say is that, for me personally, she gets the nom, but not the win, because I think next season is going to be her season where she's undeniable. Mm-hmm. I kind of think this season had her character, you know, kind of sidelined heels yeah. for a lot of it kind of sidelined intentionally. Mm-hmm. And it's not like she isn't still doing unbelievable work. No. It's not like she isn't still giving one of the best performances on TV. It's like I, my hands were tied. I could right. not <laughs> nominate her, but at the same time, I don't think that this was the strongest season for Shiv, and I think that I'm just going to hold back the win this time. Right. You know what I'm saying? So who did you go with? Yeah. Who's your winner? My winner is Hannah Waddingham. Oh, I tell you what, man, that okay, wow. Never going to give you up, man. Did not that see might that be coming. The TV moment of the year. Wow. All right, I'm I shocked. I am absolutely bowled over by it. And uh, like you were saying, got to give it up for an incredibly versatile performance all right okay how about you who's your winner i actually am gonna give it to uh tuso Embedu. yeah sure. it's just a yeah. powerful um just intense performance all the way through and yeah uh, there's what can i say about it nothing much more than that it's wonderful hopefully a real like star is born performance i hope too. so i really hope that she gets a lot more work off this because yeah it's it's uh incredible work i think she was pretty new to the industry at least outside of south africa where she did most of her acting prior to this and uh yeah yeah for sure all right best actor best are we actor. doing this all, all right, right here we go so for best actor i had jeremy strong as kendall roy in succession jason sudeikis as a uh, ted lasso in ted lasso i had murray bartlett as armand in the white lotus Oh, yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's tough. For me, it was hard to really envision any of the actors being a, a lead or a support. Yeah, show. it was hard. Maybe Steve Zahn. Possibly, but, like, but I think Armand I was the stronger character. You. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. You could yeah. make a, an argument for either one of them. Sure. So I had uh, Hamish Linklater as Father Paul in Midnight Mass and uh, Lee Jun Jae as character 456 in Squid Game. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. This is actually the category where we overlap the most, I think. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. What'd you have? So for me, and this has nothing to do with the New Yorker. I'm going to say it right now. Oh, boy. I chose Brian Cox. Oh, uh, okay. All right. As Logan Roy. Mm-hmm. I had Hamish Linklater mm-hmm. for Midnight Mass, Father Paul Hill. I had Tim Robinson. Oh, I yeah. I think you should leave playing assorted characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. Yeah. Jason Sudeikis as Ted Lasso and also Lee Jung Jae as number 456 on Squid Game. Yeah. Oof. I mean. So I guess aside from Succession, who was your other non-overlap? Um, Murray Bartlett. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Sure. And we already yeah. covered. Yeah. We already talked. Yeah, but about go him. off. No, I mean, I, I thought that he, again, he's a distressed Tasmanian devil who's doing drugs and someone who is reasonably irritated with all of these privileged people that are coming into his uh, resort and making ridiculous requests and being problematic. And he is struggling to hold on to his sobriety with like 
he's white knuckling it. Um, and he's hanging onto that with like the skin of his teeth. And ultimately he, you know, he fails to, to manage that. And his, you know, his end is tragic at the same time, up until that point, there are just some moments where I think the character is hilarious too. There are some moments where his exasperation with the job and with the people around him is funny and it's palpable. And so I do like the character of Armand um, in The White Lotus. It's good stuff. He is very funny on that. I guess what I would say as a counter is just that for me watching The White Lotus and getting to that end and his tragic fall... I felt a certain deflation because I didn't feel like he was the lead prior to that. And so when it came down to that being the revelation, I felt like there was something missing. I I felt like it wasn't enough somehow. And maybe that for me was like, I wish that he had been driving the plot more Mm. in the earlier episodes. He kind of felt like he was this side character Mm -hmm. for a lot of it, you know, but, um, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's tough to say. Yeah. But I, I feel you. I yeah. feel you. So, and then, yeah, I guess the other character, just um Tim Robinson. Yeah. yeah I mean. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> awesome show. What can you awesome say? season. I don't want to be here anymore. I don't. It's like, <laughs> the performances he gives are fucking incredible. And you feel like if he wasn't writing his own material specifically so that he could perform it in his way, it's like, I don't think anyone will ever be able to use him as effectively because it's all coming from this incredibly strong, comedic, disturbing, intense point of view. And he kills it. He crushes it. Yeah. I just remember watching the first episode of season or the first sketch out of season two or out of the first episode. And it's the one in the haunted house, the haunted uh, house tour. And you and I talked about this. It's so painful. This guy is so uh, ingratiating and annoying. And then just so on the inappropriate. so inappropriate. And then on the turn of a dime, it becomes the saddest story I have ever seen on the screen in quite some time. Yeah. Loved yeah. it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Just so many emotionally desperate characters, and he plays it so well. He does. I mean, Coffin Flop. Coffin Flop. Like oh, my God. One of the best sketches <laughs> I've ever seen. It's on Corn Cob TV, all right? That's all, all right. I need to say. Oof. All right, so we should probably have the succession fight. Okay. Jeremy Strong versus Brian Cox. I don't want to fight over them. I don't. They're both very, very good. They're both amazing. Let's just leave it at that. I'll give this up to you since I've been fighting you on some of these choices. I think Strong is definitely more the lead than Cox. I will say. I just think Brian Cox this season, man, when he turns on that intensity in these episodes, when he just like bellows Roman's name to summon him after the dick pic incident, it is terrifying. It's terrifying. And that final scene in the season where once again he just has to re-educate his children in the fact that he wins, he does nothing else, is is unbelievable. And you know what, I'll give it to you as well because it, it, it it's that final scene that really stands out to me where he is just, he is so nasty to his children. I remember the moment just watching him mock Shiv when she's talking about the the bylaws and like uh, the structure of the company and the rules of the company. And he just, he just tears that and just rips it to shreds. And I remember just feeling like hurt as I, I felt attacked when I was watching that. Yeah. He's, he is a bulldog in almost every single scene 
And it is uh, very, very uh, frightening to watch. The end of episode eight, too. I mean, he just has a collection of some of the most chilling and powerful lines I've ever heard at his dinner with Kendall. Yeah. When he's like, life is a fight in the mud for a knife and things like that. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Strong says, I think you're evil. And he says, don't talk about things you don't understand. Ugh, it's just fucking chilling because you know that there are people in this world who think like he does and who have the ability to execute their Mm -hmm. visions yep you know it's terrifying oh yeah but yeah but jeremy strong though i mean what an amazing season i didn't think he could top season two and he did he definitely and then he did yep yeah and then he did just playing a character who um thinks that he is the savior who believes himself to be on this course of redemption and resurrection and he's going to come in and clean house for waystar from the outside he's going to work his way in and then just clean house and he's going to be this prophesied messiah that's going to take waystar to the promised land and he's awkward he's awkward and uncomfortable (laughs) and everyone finds him obnoxious and no one wants anything to do with him he's the most obnoxious savior of all he really is and he so there's only like it takes him a really long time to become aware of this and he's like oh wait i realize like there's this one scene where he's talking about how his kids i think they fed a bagel to a rabbit or something like that and the (laughs) rabbit might be dying and i just remember there's a look on the assistant jessica's face i think she just rolls her eyes she's feeling what we're all thinking which is oh my god this man what is wrong with him? That performance is amazing. Uh, yeah. It is. So shout out to Jeremy Especially Strong. considering it comes from a person who believes that they are not on a comedy of any kind. We're not going to go there. Doesn't we're not even going to go there. Yeah, funny. we're not going to go there. Uh, let's not talk about that. You just Oof. can't not bring it up. Oh, I mean, God. when Aaron Sorkin is writing a public letter to clear the air about you, oh. you, know, you know shit is dire. Anyway, uh, yeah, he's amazing. I mean, it's so funny that the New Yorker article dropped before the last episode and that last last episode could come out and basically mm-hmm. silence everyone just with the power of his performance. I mean, the scene where he's sitting down in that dusty road and just talking in a very earnest way about how broken he is, yeah. how he feels like he's just about to fly apart into a million pieces. It's actually heartbreaking, even though... He's a totally exasperating person. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's amazing work. Gosh, I don't even know what to say about the rest of these. Wow. Lee Jung-jae, we can just give a shout. I I will say he has such a difficult role on Squid Game, which is that he has to be the incredibly empathetic, sensitive protagonist on a show that kind of wants you to delight in watching people die violently right and so often a main character like that is so annoying and yet i think he completely sidesteps that and is incredibly sympathetic the whole way through and you really want to see him win yeah it's It's so cool yeah it took me a moment to get into squid game i remember watching the first two episodes and being like i don't really know about this and he toes the line between being like this sort of pathetic buffoonish character who then you know transforms into this very sympathetic empathetic leader throughout the course of the series um and i think he does a great job and so yeah loved it Loved his performance. Um, And the same with, like, Jason Sudeikis as well. I'm just going to, like, talk about him. He is – it's a character that – and this is what I heard. 
there's only going to be three seasons of Ted Lasso. And I think that's a good reason because this character can only have uh, so much time before I think the um, role becomes kind of stale. It's Leslie Nope. Like, I think that that's kind of the, the energy that he's bringing to the screen. It's this vibrant, optimistic, always present, inspirational character that I think if it went on for anything beyond uh, three seasons, probably would become a little bit boring. And I think that they've done a good job this and season. And it would. If this was a network show, it would go for 10 seasons. Yeah, it would. Dude, no And this question. is the other thing, too, as well, is I think they've done a good job in season two of like pulling the character apart a little bit and seeing like where, some, where the character's frayed, where the edges are a little bit frayed, where there's some anxiety, where he's dealing with mental health and themes of loneliness. And I think uh, Jason Sudeikis does a fantastic job bringing that to the screen. It's such a challenging role. It's such a deceptively challenging role because he, first off, has to make the corniest, most earnest person really compelling. And then when you dig down and see how sad he really is, it's incredible. And yet it doesn't compromise the sweetness and the positivity of his character at all. It only makes it the more impressive that he has this view of life. Yep. And uh, I mean, he just, he has so many incredible one-liners. He's always hilarious. I, I think I'm not going to nominate Ted Lasso for series, even though I nominated it in every acting category. And I think that the cast is just so stacked. The bench is so deep on that show. But I do think that season two definitely suffered from a lot of growing pains. It also suffered from being fucked with by Apple, which is mm. funny. It's like oh, right when yeah. they get on everyone's good side with a good series, they immediately start to meddle with it. And like mid-production, they made them add two episodes. Yep. And you can tell that there are like filler episodes yep. in this season. And it Those episodes tested my patience a lot, especially Beard After Hours. That one was hard for me. But anyway, keep I going. Know, which is such a bummer because I really like Coach Beard. And I don't put it on the character at all. But they were like, yeah, you just got to make this season too long now. Yeah. Right? But yeah, but he's amazing. I, I love his performance so much. I love the energy he brings. Yeah, I mean, those those little moments, man, where he's smiling like a maniac under that push broom and his eyes are full of tears. It's just, it's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What do you think about uh, Hamish Linklater? Uh, I mean, <laughs> it's just one of the most electrifying performances I've seen in a long time. It's especially impressive because it's such a powerfully persuasive maybe not like persuasive to the viewer but just persuasive that this guy believes this so strongly and that this has become like his life's focus as a portrayal of faith Mm -hmm. it's incredible Mm -hmm. it really knocks you back that he makes this character that three-dimensional that fascinating when they have such a particular mindset and a particular like black and white view of the world Mm -hmm. but yeah i mean his sermons are electrifying the moment where he quote unquote performs a miracle and makes that little girl walk again is just one of the most amazing ends to an episode uh all year yeah i i think every minute that he's on screen he's so great my only complaint about that show is that I wish it had focused more on him in the final stretch. Yeah. I felt like he was such a strong, fascinating character. And I, I just thought that the show in widening its focus didn't give him quite the ending that I wanted, but, uh, 
yeah, I mean, what a performance, dude. <laughs> From a guy who's kind of been like in a bunch of mumblecore stuff mm-hmm. and supporting stuff where he never registered for me, even though I did recognize him. And then in this to just be electric. Yeah. 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 So who'd you go with? What's your pick? Uh, Hamish Linklater. Yeah, man. that's mine as well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's mine. Oh, we yeah. just keep lining up. That's yep. so funny. He's mine as well. Yeah. It's a, and this one was a tough one for me because uh yeah. Jay is again fantastic. Yes. Um and then also I think Ted Lasso, like Sidakis is so compelling and so earnest. And yeah, that one was really it's hard for me to like pick out. It's a tricky performance too. It's a really tricky performance. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Last category. There we go. On to series. Well, I think we've we've shaved away. I think the shape of our final nominations is becoming clear, it is. right? I'm curious if there are going to be some surprises here. All right, here we go. Uh, so yeah. my nominees for best series are uh, Succession, Reservation Dogs. Hell yeah. What We Do in the Shadows, The White Lotus, and Squid Game. Very interesting. What have you got? Less overlap than I would have thought. Oh, yeah. So... I got to give an honorable mention to Reservation Dogs. That's definitely my number six. It just missed out. Uh, just just a wonderful, charming show. Uh, just, just what a surprise. It just kind of came out of nowhere, and uh, I, I so enjoyed it. But my nominees are Midnight Mass, Succession, The White Lotus, The Underground Railroad, okay. and Get Back. Oh, which I forgot to mention this earlier, but in terms of below the line categories, I think this is maybe the best editing job that's ever been done. It's insane. All right. Get Back is Peter Jackson's documentary about the Beatles, and it is him combing through 60 hours of video and over 100 hours of audio to create this unbelievably compelling documentary that feels like you are stepping into a time machine and arriving at a Beatles studio session. Mm -hmm. It's insane. Yeah, the technology he used to, he used machine learning technology to make the video as clear as possible. Yep. The same sort of technology he used on his World War One documentary, They Shall Not Grow Old. And, uh, I mean, it looks extraordinary. It's amazing I, how good it looks. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if uh, this wins Best Documentary at the Oscars. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe so. I mean, but I don't know. It's it's weird because it's like it's sort of a feature documentary it was originally supposed to just be like a two-hour feature and basically because of the pandemic he was able to recut it as a series Uh, instead interesting but yeah i mean the audio editing on it too is insane he was talking about how they were able to use uh again ai machine learning to separate out the audio layers in a way that's never been done before it's called demixing and it allowed them to like separate the instrument tracks from the from from everyone speaking so that you can actually hear stuff that had never been heard before like conversations they had that just weren't picked up right i mean it's crazy too man it's the beatles and you you watch this and listen to it and you're like there's stuff that they're revealing here that people have gotten wrong for over 50 years it's funny because like they're just talking my sense and 
just really quickly, a quick digression. It's just simply the idea that Yoko Ono and, and, and there's just like this story about how, you know, there's this woman who like broke up the band and whatnot. And when you actually watch it, you just realize, no, it's like four guys who met when they're in their early 20s. They're now in their late 20s to early 30s. No, they're not even over 30. I take that back. They're in their late no, 20s. And um, John and Paul, Paul they are teenagers. teenagers. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So th- they're nearing 30. They're tired of one another, not like in an unhealthy sort of uh, vitriolic way, but it's just like, hey, we have known each other for so long. We want to do different things with our lives. Paul McCartney has this unenviable task of trying to keep them together because they no longer have a boss. They no longer have a manager in Brian Epstein. I feel for him now in a way that I didn't before. No. Um, yeah, it's it's. I've always wonderful. kind of been in the bag for Paul, but my, my heart really broke for him because yeah. you can tell out of everybody, he's the guy who's like... He loves this. I'm never going to make anything as good as what we can make right now Mm -hmm. and he so desperately wants to keep it together and yet the more he tries to hold on the more everything like slips through his fingers but yeah i mean the yoko thing it's so debunked here just in that i mean george is the first one right (laughs) right and it's amazing because you see paul and john fighting for so much of the doc and then as soon as the two of them start to vibe again and start to really work well together and you feel that lennon mccartney mojo going again george is like well i'm leaving i'm the leaving band. the band <laughs> yep. he's, he's so done none of you have been listening to me monopolizing yeah, yeah he's over it uh it's so good it's a good pick man but yeah i have unbelievable from an editing standpoint, from a technical standpoint, yeah. I feel like I so, there's 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 oh my gosh, there's so much to dude, say about each of these. Reservation Dogs. It's a perfect example. I think FX is doing a fantastic job bringing stories about people of color, about minorities to the forefront. Whether it's through Atlanta, Snowfall, I think at Reservation Dogs. I think Pose isn't. I don't know if Pose is either on Hulu. I think Pose might also be on FX as well. Um, but these are all stories about Americans and about people and about people that we don't always see on television. And this was the first time I'd ever really seen Indigenous culture, Native American culture brought to the forefront and done in a way that is. It feels familiar at the same time. Like, oh yeah. I've seen these people around in my neighborhood, even though they're, you know, from a different culture and they may look different. It's like, no, I I know who this guy is. I've seen these people before. I can relate to these experiences. And I loved that so much. Um, And so, yeah, this was a great, great fucking show. Yeah, love it. And I look forward to more of it. Yeah. It's funny because there are so many conversations around representation right now. And I look at the way that Native American culture and Native American people in particular have been represented through media. And it's like the most extreme example of they have always been treated as such stoic, serious, and also sort of passive characters. Mm -hmm. And to see instead a show that's just hilarious and is just about young people fucking up and trying to scrape together some sort of a good life for themselves and also having a great time. Mm -hmm. It's so refreshing. I really, really love it. Yeah. What we do in the shadows, I think they had a great season this year. I think they had an interesting focus, which was Nadia and Nandor trying to come together and co-lead sort of the vampire 
empire and it was just it's so bumbling watching these two vie for control and then laszlo and then colin robinson having their pair up and then the the reveal at the end of the season with colin robinson is fantastic i think they gave him a great storyline which is him trying to figure out where he comes from because he's not a traditional vampire and yeah it's it's again hilarious season a great development for some of the characters and looking forward to seeing what happens uh, in season four because they've broken up the band so yeah nice nice so the other series i had that you hadn't nominated was the underground railroad Mm -hmm. and uh i mean it's one of these totemic works that i think we're going to be grappling with for a long time barry jenkins is just such a talent I feel like the main point of discussion about this show, though, has been that it's been so under-discussed. Yep. It's kind of been the show that everyone's like, you should be watching this. Why aren't more people talking about it? And, you know, I think it's just because it's such a... You know that you're buying into a really intense, sustained experience. I do think that it's worth it, but I get how difficult it is. Mm -hmm. And I wonder... So... I think the structure of it works really well, but I do wonder sometimes if he had somehow condensed it down into a two and a half, three hour movie instead, would that have been better for his career just in terms of buzz? Because Hmm. it seems like whatever next movie he was going to make was going to get showered with Oscars just because that's the kind of movie he makes. He makes the best fucking movies. Yeah. And to see it instead, it's diverted into this limited series that kind of came and went and i don't know i mean it's a funny thing dude right now it is so much easier to get a big budget series greenlit by a streaming service because they're just so they need so much content they are so desperate for content they they want as long of a show as you can get because the whole business model is hopefully you'll be watching something continuously while your subscription renews you know Mm -hmm. it's so much easier to retool a feature into a series and do it that way i just had an experience actually where some people i know worked on a series that was originally supposed to be a movie and they couldn't get the movie off the ground and then they said oh it's a series instead and it got greenlit like that wow it was actually a case where no one was prepared to start working on it because they were moving so fast jeez because of having to retool it so you know i i wonder about all that stuff but um i don't know i mean i don't think he could have made this story on this scale and with this level of detail and had it be a viable feature film right he would have had to spend like 200 million dollars and then there'd be all this pressure on it to have a giant opening weekend and it could have really messed up his career and instead maybe it's a little under discussed but it'll always be there absolutely so just a really uh really strong work really strong definitely recommend to everybody yeah all right so where were your picks Let's see. Okay, so we have three that we shared. Yeah. Do you have one more then? Let's um, see. Read back your nominees to me one more time. Sorry. Oh, uh, we had White. No. Yeah, I had White Lotus. White Lotus. We both had White Lotus and we both had Succession. And then you Reservation had Reservation Dogs. Dogs. What We Do in the Shadows. And Squid Game. 
and Squid Game. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't nominate Squid Game. Do you want to talk about it? Real yeah, quick? I mean, it, I I gave it a Grammy nomination, as in this was the most widespread television show watched all year. Everyone knew what it was. I saw people dressed up in Halloween costumes as you know player four, five, six, or whomever was on the show. Chrissy Teigen had Chrissy... like a super lavish Halloween party yeah. that was all Squid Game oh, themed, God. which like. And I mean, you and I talked before what a, about... What a point to prove the show's right, basic idea, yeah. right? And not only that, but then it was doubly proved when I believe it was a YouTuber who went on and made a squid game in real life. And that had its own yeah. uh, sort of... Cash prizes for all the winners. Jesus Christ. Um, so, yeah, it's a great television show. It's a show that is the scorching take on, you know, rampant capitalism and the horrors of capitalism. How would... It has no problem using up your life with the vague promise of financial gain. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a wonderfully made show. I think it is inventive. And yeah, I, and so I had to just give it, I gave it the Grammy nom. Yeah, it's the big candy nice. bar nom. Sure, sure. Okay, so I guess I'll just speak real quick on Midnight Mass. Just an incredible work as well. I think what Mike Flanagan achieved here with the scale of creating this community and all of these indelible characters uh rahul kohli who plays the sheriff in town i thought too was just fantastic didn't give him a shout out earlier but he was definitely on my long list for supporting actor as well but yeah i i mean just a really rich detailed beautiful show that has such a great atmosphere of sustained horror he's he's absolutely killing it in a way he's doing stephen king better than stephen king really is Mm -hmm. absolutely all right these are some of my um honorable mentions that i didn't so these is where we had a a couple of uh, overlaps so i did honorable mentions for uh, underground railroad i think you should leave uh with tim robinson honorable mention for midnight mass honorable mention for pin 15 and also an honorable mention for hbo's insecure by Issa ray which is a wonderful television show and uh last but not least i was taken aback and charmed completely by only murders in the building a wonderful sweet show with i believe it is selena gomez Martin Short and Steve, Steve Martin. Martin. Yeah. yeah, just a wonderful, whimsical take on, you know, solving murders, podcasting, and being a, a part of this wonderful city of New York. And it's just a vibrant show, and I, I loved it. So, yeah, if you haven't watched Only Murders in the Building, I highly recommend. Highly recommend all these shows. It. Yeah. It was one I didn't feel like I needed to rush right to but it's it's on the list it's really good yeah i loved it heck yeah all right so what was your pick for uh best series oh well um yeah i guess we've we've talked enough about the white lotus and succession i mean oh yeah what's what's more what else is there to say yeah here's my thing man so succession for its first eight episodes which had all debuted when we started compiling our goaties it already had the edge yeah. And then that last episode came out mm-hmm. and it just became unfair. That last episode yeah. is one of the greatest hours of television I have 
ever seen. Yeah. I think I watched it three times within the first 24 hours of it coming out, and uh, it never stopped being amazing. I mean, I got to watch it a second time with Josh and Maria, who hadn't seen it yet, and just watch them gripping the couch cushions every five <laughs> minutes as some insane shit went down, or we would all fucking die laughing. I mean, <laughs> the line that Tom Wamsgams, our best supporting actor winner, has where he says, Greg, you're just a plane crash away from being Europe's weirdest king. <laughs> the funniest line of, of the year in television. Yes. Unbelievable. He fucking rules. The moment where Connor Roy headbutts Kendall, yep. <laughs> Kendall mm -hmm. where it's this affectionate touching of forehead gestures, but it's also most definitely a headbutt. Oh, it is. <laughs> it is totally such is. a choice. What a choice. He's the but eldest yeah, son, um, all right? Don't forget that. He is the eldest son. He is. is the eldest son. Yes. So it's just, I, I can't not go with Succession, man. Yeah, I honestly, like that last episode was like the coup de grace um, for <laughs> any other uh, television really? show I might have been considering. It's mm -hmm. amazing final hour of television it's devastating um there's a yeah. look that kieran culkin gives jerry at the end of the episode and he's just like pleading with her for her to like help him figure oh out God. wrangle some way that they can you know take back control of the company and jerry is just kind of like i i, I cannot help you when he starts shaking when he has to finally disagree with, with his, his dad father. yeah it's oh so it's so yeah it, it it's succession this is so funny because maybe three or four years ago, there was another podcast, The Watch, that did something uh, somewhat similar, like they were doing a retrospective. And I remember they had Sam Esmail on, and he was like, I can't believe there's like another show about privileged people who are, you know, just getting whatever they want. And he had kind of strong feelings about succession. I, I take it he was not a fan at the time. But the show turned out to be something different than what I think he was asserting at that time. It has morphed into something where it is this, uh, not just a, sh a Shakespearean drama, but just like an examination of people who are empty and don't have love and support from the people that they should have around them. And yeah, it is brutal. Well said. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. It's also just the show that reminded us how compelling it can be to watch people behave badly. Yeah. It's this show that's like, no, the heart of drama really is getting invested in a character because you find them fascinating because you don't know what they're going to do. And watching these people fumble around with such incredible privilege, with so, so much at their disposal, and they are just not capable <laughs> of being yeah. functional human beings. Yep. And so in the end, it engenders a weird sympathy in that... You're watching them just constantly fail at everything that they might do and realize that they actually have no direction in life and no capability of achieving anything that they might want to. And it's also a funny thing where the actors are all so amazing that I think they have a sort of weird meta sympathy just in that it's like you're watching these people do such a good job being horrible that you can't help but admire it a little bit yep absolutely yeah absolutely yeah. so yep succession takes succession the crown. takes the crown annual oh, winner so we were <laughs> we were four out of five in agreement on our categories you know right? yeah because we both went with Coolidge yep we 
both went with McFadden. Yep. We diverted on actress yes. only. Waddingham and uh, mm-hmm. Bedu, and we both went with Hamish Linklater, Hamish Linklater, and we both went with Succession. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I wanted to fight you. I, more. No, no, what the hell, no, man? man, no, 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 no. Why couldn't we have more arguments besides? Dude, this is category <laughs> fraud. I think he's a supporting actor. Like that shit doesn't even matter, oh, man. man. Yeah, I think. Uh, it... Oof. Yeah, this is. Mm, yeah. <laughs> This is a weird place this to be. This is a weird place this to be. This is just awkward. Yeah, it really is. Why do we get along like this? Oh my god. Right. I could have argued a little bit more for Jung Jae as a character or player 4 or 5 6. That category was the hardest for me. The other ones seemed pr- almost pretty straightforward. Kind of a lock for each of us. I feel you. Yeah, actor actor was tough, yeah. man. It was really tough. Yeah. Oof. And honestly, like even best series was a little bit tough for me because I'm looking here at the the list of shows that I've got and I've got 13 listed and I could only pick five. Right. Yeah. Right. And so the rest of these had to be honorable mentions. You're going to be amputating limbs like no matter what. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. Ugh. I know. Man. Yeah. Surprisingly strong year for TV, I think. Whew. We were all stuck at home in 2020 watching stuff, but I really feel like this was the year where we sort of got this treasure trove yeah, coming through. Absolutely. And uh, so many awesome performances. Man. For sure. Cool. Dude, it's been good. It's been good, man. I cannot wait to do this again next year. Uh, hopefully next year we can have a third person on our pod to like break some of these ties, you know, (laughs) so that it's not just a fucking love fest Uh, of us just wanking each other off. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh man. But Hey, what the heck? Had a happy ending. Really did. Yeah. Had a very good ending. I'll just say to wrap things up, we so appreciate all of you listening. You can go to goatseasonpod at gmail.com and email us some questions. You can also go to at goatseasonpod on Instagram and hit us up there. We're always doing new posts about episodes and posing new questions for some uh, listener engagement. So we hope you hit us up there. We love hearing from you. Also, we would so appreciate it if you would follow and review us on Apple Podcasts. That really helps people find the show. Also, thank Janice O'Leary for our artwork, Josh Sullivan for our intro music, and Battlequake for our outro. And uh, we will be back next week with more Lost in the new year. Thanks, everybody. Peace. Peace. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.